0: back everyone to R2Cast number 51. Today we have Cool Farm Isla. we have uh, Andrew, Sophie is, is not jumped on camera today, we've got Andrew of Cool Farm Isla, which I've been calling Carol Farm Isley for the last year and a half since I've been aware of it, but I've been told off camera that is wrong. So Andrew, would you like to say hello? Hello, how's everyone? Before we get on in to another excellent episode of the R2Cast, I would just like to thank the sponsor for the show today the scottish farmer a weekly magazine highlighting everything you need to know regarding the scottish agricultural industry whether it's breaking news events happening in the sector market reports classified ads or just wholesome stories happening in the industry the scottish farmers got it for you so two islanders today it's always quite fun when, when i have another islander on i have noticed i am yet to film with someone from Aden. So, I have made that issue, made that mistake, and not actually realised. My dad said to me on the phone, How many folk Have any folk you had on from Aaron? And I was like, Oh, I'll have had, oh, none. So, <clears throat> we we do have one coming up. We have uh, John and Chelsea who've just moved over to Aaron from Iona. Um, so, we are going to do an Aaron episode as well. But it's great to have another Islander on. It's quite fun to have someone else that understands the issues with CalMac and such like. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure we don't have to get into that. <laughs> um, Andrew, could you tell us tell us a bit about, talk about yourself and Sophie, if you want, or yourself, or we'll see how this sort of episode goes. A bit of background about
1: yourself. <laughs> I, I was um, born in Paisley, but I was only, mum was flown out like one night, born out there and back the next day and uh, been brought up on, on Isle ever since. Been on the farm all my life. Um, worked off it, back on it. You know, a couple of jobs off it again, and I've been back here full time since uh, for the last about 14 years or thereabouts. Um, Sophie, she's lived here for the last could be coming up seven years now, and um, getting more and more involved with the day-to-day farming life, the own we flock of sheep now and whatnot. So uh, it's fairly growing. And it's it's you know I've. I've
0: I follow so many accounts on Instagram and, and I'm sure like you will know um, you meet you meet a lot of different folk on these accounts and stuff like that and you start sort of picking up little stories about them but I, I must have been following you guys for since I started really doing this stuff uh, for, for a good while anyway and it's been quite good fun and what drew me in um, and from what you've just said I think this might be Sophie's influence was the Kerry Hills um, uh, a sheep I'm very fond of and, and I think I think if I was at home, I might have pushed for some, but I'm not I'm not at home. I don't think they would fit in my, you know, 17 square foot flat. Um it might be a bit tricky. Uh but you you so you moved away. Yeah, that that's the case. I take it you're not allowed to be born, if possible, on the island. Is that the same case as I,
1: some some folks are born or have been born on the island, some folks have been born on the plane. <laughs> Paisley, but um I think most would have been would have been born in Paisley. Certainly in, in my era anyway. Um I think everybody in my um year in school I think was born in Paisley. Um so it just is what it is like, you know.
0: Yeah. No, we were I think I think the rule back home is if possible, I mean obviously there's an emergency that's different, but if possible, they would take Uh, take you over to Irvine if it was your first child and then if everything was fine, second, third and fourth would be on the island Um, Mainlanders are probably listening to us at the (laughs) minute thinking what is happening but uh, yeah, such is the way of island life (laughs) Um, You came back uh, uh, 14 years ago you said there uh, Andrew, what what were the jobs you had before you came back?
1: I worked on uh, one or two other farms just part-time kind of thing there wasn't at the time there wasn't enough work full time on this farm for me so it was just kind of jobbing about and I worked for a, a local contractor for a few years after I left school uh well actually be a couple of years after I left school to be fair they, that was the last job I had before coming back full-time so it was really there was no there was no plan at the time to come back full-time it was just that was um you know the dad was you know, his um he's got back problems and it was getting worse and whatnot. So there came a time you had to make the decision. So it wasn't leaving the the job I was at it wasn't the easiest decision, but it was the right decision at the time, like you know. So um but with never
0: so coming back wasn't always the plan, no. Oh.
1: But not quite as as soon as I did. Um but, you know, I've been back since I was kinda of twenty, twenty-one, I've been back on the farm. So it's um it, it fell into place quite a thing. And it well um, went back just I was just a kind of general farm worker. Dad managed the farm and then we took it over, I think. This will be the fifth year we've been contract farming the, the whole lot. Um, since the, the actual owner of the farm passed away, uh, we took it on a contract farming basis. And, you know, it's kind of given a bit extra freedom to to do, to run it as you wanted rather than being that kind of sideway, if you like, you know.
0: And, yeah, feel free to not go into detail here if you don't want, Andrew. But I think I, I started this podcast with a lot of folk asking me, you know, how do I get into farming, and and I think we all know how impossible buying land is, and how just about as difficult leasing land
1: is and renting land is. Um, how
0: does contract farming work?
1: Contract farming is um, basically you've well the, the way we've signed up for it is we we supply the machinery and manpower um, to run the farm on a day to day basis, if you like. Um. The the owners they supply the land, the buildings, infrastructure, livestock. Um, they buy all the the seed, fertilizer, medicines, everything that's you know all that they they buy, and then you get paid a set rate agreed. Every contract farming agreement's different, but then at the end of it, there's a I think most of them will be the same where you've got a, a kind of profit share at the end of the year. So there's, it's an incentive. So the better you do, the more. You know, the more profit there is to be made at the end of it, like you know. So but as for into farming, if it wasn't for the fact that well, dad managed the farm for forty something years, and I think it'd be nearly forty years he managed it for the one owner, um, who let's say sadly passed away and, and it went it went into placement into trust. That's when they decided to to make it contract with farming. But if it wasn't for the that connection with dad and that family I don't know how I'd have got into farming, to be quite honest with you, on, on the island. Is that maybe
0: that sort of, maybe not fear of not managing to get in, the reason you came back earlier than you intended?
1: Uh, possibly, aye. <laughs> I was, um, I think I'd always planned on taking over from Dad on the farm, um, but it kind of got at that point that if I didn't go back, things might have changed drastically to, to a point that maybe it would have got too far that you wouldn't have, you know, the farm might have not have been the way it is now, and you wouldn't have wanted to, to go back after that. like So it was, aye, you're probably right. It was um, a good part of the reason, I think, yeah. It's probably quite handy that the owner has to buy the fertiliser this year. <laughs> <laughs> aye, well, to be fair, we had nearly 20 ton of fertiliser saved up over the last few years, just a few ton here and there, and just kept it in the shed and bought what we've, what we kind of, budgeted over the last few years and then you know we've always had extra and this year we decided to right we'll cash in on this spare stuff and so we didn't we didn't buy near as much as usual this year so it was a godsend
0: (laughs) yeah you you hear some i mean i've had folk on here talking about you know we thought oh it'll go down that's maybe they're sorry having his opinion um that it'll go down over time and then they're like we have made the biggest mistake some folk bought it bought it early and are just you know praising the Lord, whatever, but it's a, it's a strange place it's in. Aye. Uh, and I th- I've spoken about it a few times on the podcast. I, I, it would be quite interesting to hear your opinion on it, I, I, me as someone who's not on an arable place. Do you think it goes up? Do you think it goes down? Do you think we never see fertiliser at the price we had a year and 18 months ago?
1: Uh, well, I would right, but last week we we talked about that very thing and they reckon at some point it'll come back down, but they say it could be it could be years, if ever, that it comes back down to what it was two <coughs> years ago. Same same with fuel. All the you know they're saying same thing with fuel that it, it might never be what it was two years ago. I mean, this time last year, I the fill I got in March was sixty four point something pence a litre for red mm-hmm. diesel. Um, this year was one hundred twenty five. So. You know, it's it's nearly doubled in price in a year, and yeah, you, know, you can't run without it. I'm afraid.
0: I mean, red red diesel sitting where diesel should be. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I'm used to. Diesel, <laughs> diesel <laughs> yet, we all. Be. I don't know why I'm the one that's used to it. Everyone else buys diesel. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's quite a shot, and it's it's quite funny for reference. We were sitting in 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 the college, we're having a chat with the students and getting them to count up price or whatever, and I sat down and checked how much I'd driven and. I got the car, a, a new car, or not a brand new car, a new car around time. and basically sat not moving for the most time of time. And I worked out that in five weeks, I've done about five and a half thousand miles. And I then started to convert what that meant for the bank account. I was like, time to sell the car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need this. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a mental time from a, a cost of inputs perspective. Aye. But um, what what size is the farm?
1: Ah, uh, we're well. Treat it one. Dad, Dad's got a bit of rented ground. He rents about three hundred acres. Um, but it's it's kind of in between the bits that on Cool Farm. So all in all, we're over eighteen, nineteen hundred acres in total.
0: And it's, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm quite I'm quite embarrassed from my knowledge here. How how big, let's say, population wise, is Isla? Any idea? Hmm.
1: Three and a half thousand, I think, thereabouts. It's under it, four thousand,
0: anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean that, that's that's smaller than Aran, but Aran's quite hilly, obviously. But uh, it's it's um, to- totally different systems running both islands. It's quite quite interesting to compare the two. Um, you've sort of touched upon uh, what's on the farm, uh, but could you maybe go in a bit more depth as to what livestock you've got?
1: I we we're, we're running, <coughs> seven hundred and fifty. Uh, Breeding yows on the farm, plus dad's 250 in his bit. Um, we're at 80 beef cows in total, uh, mainly spring calvers. There's the odd, well, sometimes if we've got, well, bull some heifers and kind of January and carve them a bit earlier, but we're a spring calving, really. And we're growing 97 acres of cereal for Brooklady Distillery this year. So, um, it's a mixed kind of input, like you know, but there's there's only so much good ground we've got for for growing, like so your barley and whatnot and your rye, and you could grow more if you didn't have stock, but because you wouldn't need the fields for silage or grazing or whatever. But <clears throat> I prefer to have an egg in many baskets rather than them all in the one kind of thing, you know. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think
0: it's I know looking into this sort of whatever Brexit means, a uh, type future and that sort of thing. I think the, the the multiple basket idea is a good one. Um, what breeds of yows and breeds of cattle is it? There's obviously some Kerry Hills, but...
1: Um, I will, uh, Sophie's got a <coughs> Kerry Hills and I've got a few Pure uh, Suffolks and Blue Leasters, <clears throat> but the rest are uh, uh, Scotch Mule, Cheviot Mule on the, the low ground and Blackface and Pure Cheviots up on the, the kind of higher, the rougher grazing kind of thing. So... Um, a bit of a mix, uh, we're, we're kind of upping the cheviots a wee bit, even we're going to cut back a wee bit on the, the crossbred yows yeah, just to, uh, and up the cheviots a wee bit the last couple of years and continue to do that over the, the next couple of years as well. Uh, as for cows, uh, we're predominantly Angus cross now, we're we're only running, we're running two Angus bulls, we've still got some cemental cross cows, but we're kind of phasing them out for, we're We've got, we've got mostly Angus, and we'll have uh, about fifteen blue grey and short horn, white shorthorn cross for the the kind of rough grazing areas.
0: The there's a lot of folk up in Cheviots. What what made you make that
1: decision? Uh, I've always liked the Cheviots personally, but the the farm, or well, the, the the owner didn't. He liked the. He liked the mules, you know the the Scottish mules, lots of arms and and whatnot. But um, I just find the Cheviot, they they just do well here. You know they you can put them to any tap. You can you can put them to your Suffolk, your Texel, run them pure, run them to Blue Leicester and breed your Cheviot mules. And I'm just, like I say, I'm just finding that they're, they're probably we're probably not getting enough out of our mules, to be quite honest with you. And the Cheviots are probably. They're probably doing better than they should be, so it just makes sense going <laughs> forward, you know, cost wise as well. They're, they're just they're just doing on the farm, in a particular area we're in. I don't know what it is, but they're they're doing more than what they should be doing. So we're we're just upping the numbers a wee bit each year.
0: No, you, no, I mean you'll be the probably into two, two figures, figures amount of folk that have said it in the podcast that are looking at doing that. Um, uh, I'm obviously not only talking to sheep farmers either. So, uh, you know, my mum and dad have, are looking at doing it, or not looking at doing it, or doing it like yourselves. And I don't know. I I'm not at home enough to sort of see the the progression in the full year and stuff like that that anymore. But there's something I like about them. Um, there, there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of ease of management with them compared to their opposition counterparts as well. And yeah, there's there's aye no, it makes a lot of sense, and and a lot of people have been down that route from a um, Suffolk. Uh, Blue Leicesters and Kerry Hill perspective are you using them for breeding for yourselves breeding to sell or mix of the two it's all so far
1: well I think Sophie's planning on with the Kerry Hills He's hoping to to be selling at the, the society sales hopefully this year will be the first one which will be quite quite exciting to be quite honest yeah. with you. but uh, the um, the Suffolk's and the Blues they're just purely for the farm they're just kind of <laughs> that's born and bred and a bit more acclimatised because uh, we're pretty pretty exposed where we are on the farm you know there's there's not a lot of shelter so it's it's hard to get hardy tups if you like you know so we're just trying to have, born and bred on the farm they just seem to last that wee bit kind of thing they're never we're never big showy fancy sheep but they you know they don't take half the feeding and they, they just seem to live like you know so it works it's not for everyone but it works for us like you know
0: Hardy and blueface Leicester is not something I've heard in a sentence before.
1: <laughs> oh, it's hard to come by, but let's like say it's, it's trying to get a blue a blue Leicester through. If you get it through the first winter, I think you're doing all right over here. But you know, getting a shearling to to work in, as a two shear, yeah, you know, more often than not, they're, they're not fit to go out the next year. Like you know, so <laughs> the homebred ones, let's like say they're not not near as big as what you'd buy at sales and whatnot, not, not as fancy either, but the lambs are just as good, so it makes sense.
0: Aye, no, definitely. But, but from what I understand, uh, Sophie is very much in, in your shop. but what do you think of the Kerry Hills?
1: I'm well impressed with them. It took took yeah. a long time for me to come round to them, to be quite honest with you. It was uh, just kind of something out of the ordinary, and she was at me for a few years about them, and it never happened, never happened, and then um, she got a few, kind of, just last lambing time, I think the first lot came, and then it just spiraled from there. And I say that's the first lambing we've had, you know, they're all, apart from, the, she bought a couple at the, the end lamb sale in December. Uh, but everything else was tapped on the farm and reared through the winter and then lambed on the farm. And to be quite honest, you can't fault them for, they're just, the mothering ability of these sheep is unbelievable, like, you know, so... And they're, they're doing well. The lambs are growing well. They're, they're thriving. Aye, they're wild. But, see, when if you're working in a, you know, sheep handling system, or we've got a fixed one as well. We've had them in the fixed one the other day. They just run. You know, they run up races. They keep moving. There's none of this having to push them up. You know, aye. So the answer to your question is so far, well impressed. But, you know, there's a long way to go yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I- I don't know if the camera sort of jumps to whoever's talking and stuff. I don't know if it jumped to, to Andrew at the right time there, but Sophie's thumbs up definitely came in at the side of the screen. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if this is sort of like that was Andrew's opinion with a gun to his head or if that actually was Andrew's <laughs> opinion.
1: <laughs> um, no, yeah. well, to be honest, we, we put one of our top lambs, we put a few uh, Scotch mules and we put the shearling she bought we put him to some blackface as well, and these I think well, I'm not going to say too much, but you know they're very they're not unlike the Scotch mule to look at out the blackface yow. Um, but they're they're just almost born ready for the winter. Um, you know they're, they're born with a, a thicker coat. They they might not grow as big, and they might not have they might have you know a quarter of a lamb less than compared to a Scotch mule. But if you're not having to put half the inputs into them. You know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they do, as you know, as breeding yows on the farm in a year's time. Like you know,
0: and how how many lambs are you getting normally?
1: One, two, or is it? You know, where where are they in that sense? In the Kerry Hills, they well, but they they came off yesterday. We tagged them all, and ten yows on that lot with sixteen lambs. So there's one one point six out of that lot. So you know, uh, they're doing all right. They're not well. We're struggled to even to be getting two hundred percent in the in the Scotch mules at, you know, even at scanning time. It's just you know, we're lambing a, we we were getting two hundred plus twenty year ago in the in the mule side of things, but we were lambing in March. You know, we're lambing beginning. Okay. March. Um <coughs> earlier earlier you tap them, the more lambs you're getting. But we were losing too many, you know. Right, it's all very well having a lot of lambs born, but if you're losing them, weather, no grass, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. So, we put the well, we're lambing nearly six weeks later than we used to be. So, you've got to take the hit one way or the other with that kind of thing. So,
0: and, and truth is, really, the second you start going above two hundred percent, like, you you want it to stop.
1: <laughs> I will. But I I don't like triplets. You know, I, um, I I can't be doing with them. We had blooming one one or two, certainly one at five this year, but that was, you know, it wasn't a miracle, but it was a miracle that we all five alive and the five of them are still alive, but I just can't be doing. I'm quite happy with, we've got kind of ground above the beach that does a right good job even of singles. You know, mules go down there with singles and the lambs will be sold beginning August at 40 plus kilos, like, you know, so um, that suits us. the
0: The odd one is fine. A bit, but, I mean, when you're certain, you're starting to see your percentage at 210, 215, you know you're going to see it a few. And
1: you, that's about... Aye. Aye. Yeah. <laughs> My dad, when, when he was getting the 200 plus, I think it was about 400 Scottish mules and I think it was about 100 cents of triplets out of the 400. And it was just, yeah, it was a headache, like, you know. Aye.
0: No, absolutely. Um, Are you rearing all lambs fat
1: or are you selling any store? No, we'll sell most of them store. To be quite honest with you, they'll right. they'll all go. Some of them will be, some of them will be away fat, but they're all through the gen, um, the local market. And you know, some folk will, the the butcher will buy a few. The local butcher will buy a few. The specific fat sale on the island. It's just a a store out <coughs> sale, and that's that's what it is like.
0: Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. And and beef side, uh, why have you chose what you have?
1: Uh well we were. Um when I kinda came about, why well, even when I was in my teens, it was it was cemental <coughs> cross, a ling cross for semling cows and run into this the cemental bull. But I was just finding latterly that cow, they were getting pretty big, to be fair, for outwinter cattle. Um a lot of, not problems, but there was, you know, the of milky teats and a lot of calves, that were stupid dopey calves that were needing time spent, giving them a suck and whatnot. So we started running the Angus Bull by probably 10, 15 years ago and it's just kind of gradually gone from there that we've been breeding our own replacements. And, you know, now we'll carve a calved two cows, I think this, or three cows this year. One cow last year, you know, you've one or two calves you need to bring in to give a suck to. One I had to bring in the other day because a cow calved on her back, so she was a bit weak on her back legs. So brought it in, brought the calf in. Actually, the weather was pretty bad, so I brought the calf in and brought the cow in uh, two days later. that once, she was kind of a bit fitter on her feet and put the calf in for a suck and she was out the next day. So there's, there's just far less, with the Angus, we're finding there's far less um, – <clears throat> Labor-intensive than what we were used to, like you know, and a lot of quiet, easy handled. Uh, out the problems, if you like, as well, we're pretty, pretty ruthless. If the if co- if a heifer causes a problem, fine. But if she causes it again the next year, we just we don't bother keeping them. We're trying to trying to get down the route of you know not performance recorded, but you know, weaning out the the ones that aren't performing well enough and it, it is working. It's a slow process, but it that we are getting there. Like, you know.
0: I think I think we all at some point have that sort of sentimental battle and then you're like, Aye. nah, have a policy, stick to it. Aye. And it always works out better. Yes, sometimes you're like, oh, quite like to or whatever. But you know, um I I think everyone, everyone you hear that goes down the this is my rule and I'm following that. Always is, is better off. Um, It, it, it just works better. Yeah. This, is, this is a bit of a random question, but do either of you have other jobs? Or are you both full-time on
1: the farm? Uh, she's full-time Um, as an operator at one of the distilleries, a Kalila distillery. Um, right. So she's got a full-time job. So the, the farming's just a, a part-time thing or, Um, and come home from work and go back <laughs> to work and a sheep or whatever, like, you know. And uh, you said, is it,
0: i was embarrassed myself <laughs> so bad. Kul- Kualila. Kualila? Aye, that's it. Yeah, because right. um, is it is it eleven distilleries you have on Isla?
1: there's that many getting built. I, fa- I think it is, but there's, there's Sophie just <clears throat> said there. There's that many getting. I think there's the there's another two getting built at the moment, and there's plans in for a third one there. So I think it's eleven and two getting built, but I might be wrong.
0: <laughs> and you, you probably don't have the answer to this because it's you're a farmer, you're not in charge of the distillers. But uh, why? Why is there so many? What? What? What's the reason? What What happened on Isla that they thought, you know what, let's have more distillers
1: than we have people. <laughs> why did that come about? I don't really know. The, the, I'm not going to try and answer it in a way that it could be wrong because I genuinely don't know. But what I do know is it's getting to, the, well, I think it could be getting to the stage that it could be too many. Um, you know, there's... Very little unemployment on the island, and you know, building distilleries, you're having to bring in folks from the mainland, and then the knock on effect from that is there's not no blooming houses for, for staff. So it's, I, I don't know what's you know, what the reason is for so many because that's if there's two getting built just now, and then you had Arden Hole a few years ago, any other new ones, Colombin <laughs> next door, they were what 15. Maybe aye, two thousand and five. I think they were or thereabouts. So there's quite a few new or newer ones in quite a short space of time. So I don't know what the reason was, but you just wonder where where they're going to stop. Like you know,
0: I'm I'm just when you were talking there,
1: trying to write as many down as I could think. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm just have uh, let's see if these are even all from uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I think I've got seven. Tell me if these are wrong. war. Um, Aye, yeah. Uh, Lafroig Yeah, Collier yeah. uh, like we're saying. Brookladdich. Yeah, Bunnahaven. is it? Yeah. Uh yeah, Lagavulin. Col that you said. Yeah. So, there's there's one beginning with A and I
1: can't get it. But anyway, that's not yeah, why we're here. Ard Beg. <laughs> that's one of them.
0: That's it. our Beg. And
1: I I don't know, it's quite interesting, have you been to all of them? Eh, I don't think I have, actually, no. No. (laughs) I'm sure you've tried all of them. (laughs) Probably not. It tends to be the the ones well, Brooklady I've been to, obviously, because we do quite a lot with them, but I think the ones that I'll have been to will be ones that will have, like, a coffee shop or, you know, you can get your lunch or whatever there. The ones that I won't have been to will be, you know, ones that don't have these facilities.
0: Oh, some are just a
1: the distillery. They're not a guest. Aye, I, they've not, well, they've all got, I think they've all sent us, but not all of them will do like lunches or, or whatever. So, No, I,
0: the, the two back home and Aaron are... And the new one is very visitory. Um, yeah. Anyway, but I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug... The sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Is 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 Isla touristy?
1: Very, yeah, is big time. Purely for that or for other things? I think <clears throat> the whiskey is the biggest thing, um, to be quite honest with you. But then you've got a lot of come in the winter time or well, any time, but you will get a lot of bird like bird watchers in the winter you know geese and whatnot and but you'll get bird watchers all year round but whiskey will be the biggest thing and followed by the kind of wildlife aspect of things
0: and you mentioned you do quite a bit with brew laddy gladdy laddy embarrassing myself today <laughs> uh, brew laddie, no that's right yeah, yeah that's the one <clears throat> I, I am I, I don't know if it's clear i either can't say anything about isla or I don't know, but I, I do not like whiskey. <clears throat> um, it makes me sound the way I sound at the minute as if I've got COVID, which I don't have. <laughs> don't know why I'm telling you. You're about 300 miles from me. You're not going to get it. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I always sort of like the idea of whiskey and, and it looks, and folk that collect whiskey just look cool, but I am, no. Nah, it, it, it hurts my tum-tum too much in my throat, so <laughs> I avoid it. Oh, God, Martini or I'm out. Um, the, how does that how does that contract come about? Did you go to them? Did they come to you?
1: Yeah. <coughs> uh, well, the honest answer is we went to them. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> originally planned. It was a farm, not the neighbouring farm, but the farm next to that that grew first for them. Uh, <coughs> Raymond Stewart at Sunderland Farm, which I think it was actually Control was the name of the the bit that he was growing for them in two thousand and four. I think it was. Um, or 2005. I can't remember, but anyway, it was that's how it started. And Colhoman, uh, when they opened up next door, they're the next door farm to us. Um, we ended up growing a field for them in 2000. And I think it was either 2008 or 2009. I can't just quite remember. But when it came to, well, I don't know, I can't remember what time of the season because I wasn't dealing with it back then. But they, did Colhoman, decided that they didn't want the barley, which that was fine, like, because we, we've been growing barley for years for, for feeding cattle. Uh, so, Dad, he was very friendly with one of the chaps, Apriclady, the late Duncan McGilvery. And he just got in touch with Duncan and said, Look, we've got this field of barley. Do you want it before we crop corn it and shove it in the shed? And he says, I will right, we'll take as much as you got. And we never looked back from, from I think it was 2009. <clears throat> we've not looked back from then, like, you know.
0: And does all, does all of your molten barley go there?
1: Aye, the whole lot yeah. goes there, yeah,
0: yeah. And is all of your barley reaching molten grade, or some feeders all all molten?
1: No, it's all, it's all molten. It's all <coughs> it's all used by them for for the whiskey. So um, the last, I think, two years now, it's been getting kept separate, so um, so they can actually distill ours on its own. So what eight eight years down the line, maybe we'll have our own one. Um, Bottled, so it's quite 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 looking forward to that. That's
0: cool. <laughs> literally, <laughs> um, <coughs> uh,
1: I like that a lot.
0: That's good. You should call it. That's cool. No, you shouldn't. That's dreadful. Um, <clears throat> and how how does that go? Having uh, someone in the partnership literally working
1: for the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ch- Kalila, they they uh, bring all their their barley in from the mainland like it all comes in by boat so they're, they're competition in terms of um they're a different name on the label but i yep. think at the end of the day they would never they would never affect the farm they'd never buy barley off us with you know for the amount of stuff they go through i don't think it'd be worth their while even trying local stuff so uh we get, so we are, get...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure are, are they are they one of the biggest ones on the island then
1: the biggest i think they uh, are the biggest producers yeah. are they I yeah. oh, see.
0: I would have almost definitely said LaFroy That's quite interesting. Right? Um, yeah. Or, or just I've always known folk with it. I don't think I can pick. I think is that Kalila in the
1: background? I can't. It's a bit. Yeah. Aye, that, that's one of them. <coughs> yeah, but I think is, is Kalila go to Blaine's? Aye, Kalila. Yeah. A lot of Kalila is into
0: Blains. So. Aye. Right. Okay. That that makes a bit more sense. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think
0: you mentioned you mentioned rye
1: as well. I we've, we've been growing rye for Brookladdy for 20, 2017. Uh, we put a spring crop of rye in for Brookladdy. That just came about. Uh, we're just kind of wondering. We're, uh, Alan Logan, the the manager of the distillery, but at that point, Dad and myself were in the, the local coastguards, uh, as was Alan, where he still is. Um, and we just got talking one day, I think it was an exercise or something, and just said, look, is there, is there anything else that, we could try out with the barley that you wanted kind of thing. If there's ever ever anything then let us know. And probably a year passed and then another Coast Guard thing he said, what do you know about rye? And said, Well, nothing. How? And went from there and asked if we would try it. So we did. We put a, a spring crop in and harvested it and successfully. But then the problem was the rye now is basically getting the the seed is getting bred not to ripen uh because there's that much of it going into ad plants and whatnot so <clears throat> the spring stuff it's really <clears throat> if you if you put a spring crop in it's not going to harden for co- it's not going to go to full length for combining like you know so we had to then go down the route of the winter crop and that was just a whole new bloody thing for over here uh between weather geese and this that and the next thing we thought it's not going to work but we got a crop in Got it harvested, and we've harvested every winter crop since then. And the yields aren't what they should be if you put a winter crop in the mainland, compared to you know that they're not what they should mm. be. But they are getting a yield. They are successful, and we are getting better. It's getting getting you know picking the right field. It's not going to get completely waterlogged over the winter. So it is. It's working well. It's quite good fun as well. You know it's something different. And the the 2017 one I think will be bottled this year. <laughs> Uh, we got a sample of it. We got a sample of it. I think when it was a month in the cask, and then I think it was a year or six months later, it was. We got another sample, and it was quite quite good to see it, you know, growing. If you like, you know, changing in the cask, and we got a sample this year uh, a couple of months ago. They gave us some, and it's actually quite nice to be quite honest with you. So it's um, it's quite quite exciting, something different, and I think they were. If they weren't the first, they were one of the first in Scotland to to be making a, a kind of rye whiskey. If you like, you know. I'm uh,
0: I'm so glad you mentioned rye whiskey and uh, it being in the cask and that because my next question was it for beer or for whiskey because I generally didn't know the answer. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I know you could make both, but uh, it's quite interesting you said you know the the, the changes in the breeding of it and that's happening with a lot of things that everything is towards anaerobic digesters, biomass boilers. Yeah. You know, my my first. Two weeks, the first time out down to Essex when I was learning to drive a telehandler when I was when I was nineteen, was just burning. I think it was six hundred and fifty Heston bales of straw that ninety five percent of were fine in my head. Uh, fine, better than what we get, um, <laughs> you know, uh, because it didn't reach the the biomass grade. I and it's know. like it's kind of like the putting trees on arable ground. It's like okay, but
1: you know. <clears throat> I, I, uh, the thing about the trees is once, in my opinion, once the ground's under trees, that's it, gone, like, you know, and it's... no, get yeah. you know, getting that land back just not going to happen, and I'm not a fan of it, personally, but that's just me from a, a farming point of view. I know there's money to be made at putting your, you know, giving up your land for the trees, but I say we're, we're a mixed farm with the the cattle are all bedded on straw grown on the farm, as are the sheep. You know, what comes off the field straw-wise goes back on the fields as straw dung. We're, we're fattening lambs through the winter. Um, well, we're putting weight on lambs, not all well, well fat, but we're putting lambs through onto rape and stubble turnips through the winter time, And, you know... It's you know it's it's more I think trying to save the planet is maybe more about how your rotation works rather than you know putting your whole bloody farm under trees like you know it's um, and I I still don't think you know <coughs> farming isn't you know, the planet's the way it is kind of thing but it's a drop in the ocean as you know Scotland England whatever planting I don't care how much many trees they plant it's a drop in the ocean compared to you know what's needed to to reduce carbon footprint if you like you know
0: well well exactly and. I speak about this quite often about with folk about, you know, what their opinion on the tree thing is. I don't think really anyone agrees with putting it on, for example, the ground you're growing malt and barley on. Like, that is utter madness. It, 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 nothing in my head that – I can't even, like, put my head into the other side and be like, okay, makes sense, because it and, doesn't. You yeah. would get the exact same harvest if you put that on some hill you can barely get a sheep in 40 acres, you know, like – yeah, <laughs> that's what trees are good for. Exactly. <laughs> that's what they do. Um, but yeah, yeah, we could. I think I've on too many occasions been in the podcast <laughs> 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 challenging the poor forestry folk, and I'll never have anyone in the podcast from forestry that we have attacked them every time. But uh, so sorry, forestry fans and other forestry lecturers at SRUC, I still want to keep my job. Um,
1: the <laughs> the rye, what's the straw like? It's <clears throat> uh, so, I've never actually used it, to be quite honest with you. It's, um, they in. say that it's not that have right They do say it's good good as feed straw, to be quite honest with you. But we always we thought it, it does take, uh, rye takes a bit out of the ground in your P&K kind of side of things. So we just chopped the straw and put it back in. But what we've noticed were the the barley crop following the rye. And we thought it was just coincidence um, the first year we'd we, we done it. But the barley crop following the rye has been the best crop on the farm, um, or right. the year. So whether it's coincidence or not, I don't know. But, um, there's just something about the rye that's given something back, <laughs> deep rooted you know, it's a fine nutrients way down, kind of thing. And whether it's bringing some of them up with it or not, I don't know. The I'm not technical enough in that side of things, but certainly visually, the the crops, the following crops from the rye, have been <laughs> a tremendous, kind of thing. And one thing with the rye is it's it's clean. It just well, this year it's had it's needed no um chemicals on it. It's not had Well, well had a growth regulator, but that's all it's had. It's not needed weed killer, anything of that. So there's aye, there's there's advantages to the rye as well, kinda of thing, you know, out with it, you know, being good fun to do something differently, you know. Just just uh, light bulbs got off my head
0: when you said that there but the it takes It's quite hard on the nitrogen in the soil, and then your barley was good. Molten barley quality has to be under 1.85 percent nitrogen jinxing to do that, or Uh,
1: could be. Well, our our (coughs) average, I think, over the last five years on the nitrogen level in the barley has been, I think, 1.56, or I think it's 1.56. Brugladi are looking, them personally, are looking for between 1.4 and 1.6 for their. Mountain grade, so we're at the higher end of the middle if you like you know um but a possibly like the, the rye crop the barley crop following the rye crop has had no difference in nitrogen levels in the grain as a barley crop that's yeah. followed a barley crop in kind a of thing no it's it's
0: it's just i don't know i'm a bit of a number nerd and it's quite fun to sort of hear you know and then look back in the next few years and see was that anything to do with it and then well maybe yeah. it was it was but it's quite fun to ask the questions. Um, are is, is the only reason you're putting that growth regulator in because the straw is pointless
1: or it's, is it too tall it, and they're too tall? I mean, the first crop <coughs> of Rye we put in, it was I think, well it went flat, I, and I mean completely flat. It grew. We didn't put a regulator on. We're just we kind of went in blind and probably a bit naive. We didn't put enough research into what we did and didn't need to do, um, which you learn from your mistakes. <coughs> I'm concerned, but it grew to it would have been five foot plus anyway that crop of rye um, so it Good was all and, you know, it was looking tremendous coming to to and, Um but we got a westerly gale with heavy rain for probably two days and it just, it was kind of overnight one night and you went out the next day and it was just flat to the boards kind of hanging so we thought if we're not going through that again so we put, yeah. the, put the regulator on just to t- shrink it a wee bit or not shrink it but stop it growing so tall
0: and how how do you apply that
1: that's with a sprayer just put that on it's, just, it's sprayed, yeah at what stage uh, we put it on just well we put two on we put one on at T1 so when the you know when the it was just starting to it a wee bit and then we put another one on just at flag. right um, well the some folks will put three on but um I don't know. It just seemed that all of a sudden, from flag leaf to blooming uh, ear emergence, seemed to happen overnight. So we we got the two on, and it's looking well at the moment. Like you know, I'm hoping that we've we've got enough that will stand because it's it's quite a good crop. I think it'll be the if we get it, it'll be the the best winter crop we've had. So fingers crossed, everything goes to plan between now and then.
0: I know absolutely. Um, Do you know it's, it's the the two things in farming that when you drive past. That are absolutely so so destroying to me is a field full of moles and a lodged crop. You know, it's just it, it just looks like oh, that's yeah. You know, it's just yeah. No, that that couldn't have been a nice
1: experience last year.
0: <laughs> um, I,
1: we're, we're pretty lucky we don't have the moles to be so that's one good thing. We've got a lot of a lot of geese that cause problems with the with the cereals and whatnot. But I was going to say you learn to live with them, but you don't. They scunner you. But one thing I I hate. A, a flat crop, but there's one thing if it, if it lodges and just kind of tangles itself up, you always find that the the kind of when you combine that, the straw underneath the top of it is just as golden as can be. It's almost protected from the weather. So that is, you know, it's always a worry if it starts to tangle up. You think if we get a gale and some rain, that's just going to hit the boards, like You know, no,
0: absolutely. And what, what time, when are you harvesting your barley and rye?
1: Uh, rye will be. The rise about the same time as the barley kind of is sometimes the last couple of years has actually been last harvested, which has been kind of well into September. Yeah. Um barley-wise, I think the earliest we've been finished in quite a lot of years has been end of August. Um, but most of the time you're barely getting started at that <coughs> time. In a beginning of September, first couple of weeks in September, we're usually about good to go, to be quite honest with you.
0: I don't imagine where you are, temperatures on your side very often for very long. Uh,
1: we're not, we're usually too, we don't get much frost or anything. It's just, it's, right. we do it, you know, last, well, last year and the year before, it was actually the summers were that blooming dry. <coughs> and we've got a lot of kind of peatier ground. So we kind of try and pick the drier fields to put your barley in, which we've also got a lot of sandy ground, you know, free draining and and good dry soil but the last couple of years it didn't suit that ground the barley so it kind of burnt up the grain didn't bulk out the way it should have done if I'd put last year if I'd put all the PT fields in I'd probably broken records yield wise mm. moisture would have been in the soil but you know you are not got a crystal ball that you know three year ago where the summer was that wet you know we'd quite, well we didn't have a lot of it but we did have disease in the barley just you know from it was fusarium we had um, just the splash effect off the soil with just that much rain throughout June and July, so every year is different. But we've noticed certainly the last couple have been the summers have been that dry that we're kind of thinking, Well, do we risk maybe putting a damper field in and hope that it's still dry kind of end of August, September time? Like, you know, yeah, no, to be honest,
0: I said that and kind of forgot you'll be in the Gulf, so you will be quite cozy.
1: Um, I yeah. would be wild, you really get lost either, like, you know, it's um. <laughs> Certainly, in the last ten years, I think the winters have been getting warmer and wetter, probably um, annually than what we have been. It just it, it seems to be coming in more extreme times. Like you'll get massive downpours, you know, for a few days rather than a bit of rain for a month kind of thing. You know.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Are you using Are you using all your own equipment, or have you get Contractors around?
1: We get contractors in to do the pit silage. Um, everything right. else is done by ourselves. It's quite, there's a few contractors on the <laughs> island, but the thing is, when you well, we're, let's say we're nearly 100 acres of cereal, we're 150 acres of silage. Um, these kind of things, a lot of the silage is bailed, which we do ourselves, but the pit silage, obviously, we get someone in. Um, but with the contractors, <laughs> With these kind of things, when you want to go, everyone else is wanting to go. And, you know, especially with the barley, the window's that small. I think if we didn't have our own kit, the farm's always been pretty well kitted, to be fair, but I think if we didn't have our own kit, there'd be a lot of losses, you know, over the years.
0: And what what sort of yields are you looking per hectare, acre, whatever you want to work in? Um, well, I, don't, I don't actually even have a clue what you're looking for with rye, to be honest.
1: Well, rye, were. <laughs> Uh, we're getting rye we're probably only getting about a tonne and a half to the acre but it's you know there's a lot more there's more money to be you know in the rye because well for that reason Um, barley we want to be getting two tonne plus but we've only had I think our best year was 2.34 tonne to the acre over 70 acres we had that year which was 2018 um, I think we'll probably be averaging five-year average is probably 1.8, 1.9 ton to the acre. So we're not breaking records, but you know there is there's money. We're making money at it kind of thing, So Yeah,
0: that, that's what matters. I don't think, I don't think <laughs> being, in the, being in the Guinness Book does much for you in that sense. No. no. Um, what, what was it? The <coughs> what was the record? Oh, it was it was and wheat. I think was it nineteen or is it seventeen? In Leicester, it was just Leicestershire, eh, Lincolnshire, sorry, a couple of years ago.
1: Aye, I, I can't um, remember what it was, but it was massive yields anyway. <laughs> Men, mental, like absolutely, right.
0: mental. that's a hectare. For those of you listening, by the way, that I, I don't work in acres; it takes me. I'm, I'm writing your thing down in times it'll be two point four seven. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's been um, it's been quite fun to sort of sit down, and chat, Andrew. I mean, I've been following Who, who's behind the Instagram and Facebook. Is it yourself or Sophie?
1: mainly Sophie to be honest a lot of the pictures and videos and whatnot I'll be taking and I'll just send them on to Sophie she's if it wasn't for her that wouldn't be where it is so we've got quite, Instagram especially there's quite a following on it now so it's the thing is the more folks you get you're really having to keep up with the posts and keep you know keep the Stuff going like you know so, but it's good. I mean, we we do tend to show sometimes the darker side of farming as well, like things have gone wrong and whatnot. So it's it's good fun and it's nice to show what you're doing and to you know be proud of what you're doing as well and try and try and support the the industry because it's certainly needed.
0: Yeah, and and I think you know a lot of not all but a lot of the people I have on here have some kind of following purely because I wouldn't be able to find them if they didn't <laughs> and um It's good that we're sort of all doing that. A lot of people are just doing that. Um, some people don't want to show the dark side, and fair enough, but I have always been of the opinion, like you're saying there yourself, that it's it's real. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there's there's no point in trying to sort of sort of pretend it's not. And and I should also say if you're listening, um check out Cool Farm Isla. If it helps, I'm gonna say it the way that it sounds. Cow Farm Isle, because that's what I've been calling it <laughs> forever. Uh, <laughs> so um, Instagram, Facebook. And to be honest,
1: I'm uh, I'm quite a fan of the TikToks as well. Uh <laughs> that, that definitely Sophie, she's responsible for that, but it's quite good fun. I'm not into that kind of thing, like you know, but once you, you go on to it and see it, and it's it is good, like you know, and it's that's got quite a following coming on with it now as well. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I for for the longest
0: time was like yeah, I watch a lot of TikToks. The amount of couples I follow on TikTok and just think, oh, they're cute. That's what I watch on TikTok. That's what I watch. That and Daft Barber and stuff. And I was like, I'm not made for this. I'm not made for this. I'm not made for this. Now I'm doing dances at shows
1: and stuff like that. <laughs> it's, just, it's changed me. It's changed me. But, I uh, was trying to involve try that. with uh, We're working <laughs> with, um, well, ASRUC, uh, Robert Ramsey from there. And, oh, yeah. Um, David Kerr from Scotty ID we've been working with them the last couple of years with this UHF tagging on the cattle. Oh yes. So we're trying to we're trying to kind of and well this year we'll be trying to maybe involve TikTok and whatnot with kind of videos with that of how that's working and whatnot. But the problem with that is at the moment there's no date been set for when it's been coming you need to have it so you know we've kind of held off a wee bit until it becomes a bit more definitive as you put we started putting videos up originally and it was just folks were asking what's the benefit of this and why are you doing that and we didn't have the answers so we're, let's say we're waiting on that but we'll involve all the socials with that and try and make it a bit of fun at the same time.
0: <laughs> it's, it's good track and it's, it's you know I've, I've been speaking to the SREC marketing team and stuff and well i mean we're filming this about two or three months in advance but uh i'm just like people watch this if you just dance they have fun it doesn't have to be i'm not saying put a video of someone doing a degree do to watch that you know it's, it's, uh, um, social media is a weird old place but it's a fun exactly. old place it, it. It, yeah it, it's good fun but no as i said it's been great to sort of sit down have a chat um meet so many folk on this whole online farming scene community thing and you never actually really meet them Um, but we're speaking off camera uh, it sounds like the shows yous will be at I will not lie in line with the ones I'm at but I'm sure I'm sure we'll meet at some point but before before we sort of we we end the podcast no one gets away I've not forgotten yet and I have done 51 so I don't think I'm going to start forgetting now uh, without two questions that I ask everyone the first one being First off, I meant to ask actually half about half an hour ago. that Sums me up really. Um, you came back to farm 14 years ago. What, what age was that? Was that quite young?
1: Uh, I was 20.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say because you, you, you're you you're a young looking fellow. You know. <laughs> Don't honest, get that I video. Thinking, I was thinking a hell of a lot younger than 20. That's for sure. <laughs> I I'm, mean, I'm 25 and I'm like, we're pretty similar looking here. <laughs> so I was like, did he start at 12? You know, uh, but um, yeah, where do you see yourself in five years is the first question. And the second question is, if uh, you had any tips for folk coming into the industry, what would
1: they be? Uh, five years time, hopefully still on the farm, but having made some improvements and uh, maybe with the stock side of things, maybe... Weedled out a few more problems and have a bit more performance recorded. Well, not recorded, but performance-based flock and herd. Uh, as for tips, I think patience will be one of them. You know, it's it's not easy. I don't know about on the mainland, but certainly on the island, it's not easy for folks to get into farming. Um, but I think if you really want to get into it, you will get there. Like you know, it's, it might take time, but you might have to go for. Three, four, five, six different farms until the opportunity comes up. But I think you know, don't give up would be the biggest part of advice because it, you know farming is needing young blood in it. In my opinion, you know, even dad, he's he's nearly sixty-eight now. I think he is, and he's saying the same thing. He reckons there's a generation of shepherds lost. You know, I don't know what's it, fifty-nine or sixty, the average age of mm-hmm. the farmers at the moment, and that's uh, not a great place to be <laughs> you know it's I think we're needing, needing younger folk and I think you know it seems to be slowly happening and you know even with social media thing folks are maybe oh well that's something I could do and you know a, a lot of famines you're kind of born with it you know a lot of folks say you, you're born a stockman or you, you're born whatever but you know, you can learn it all as well. So I say, don't give up would be the, the biggest bit of advice. Just be patient and, you know, chance will come.
0: Yeah, good one. Good one. And it's, do you know, it's the, the whole average age 59, 60, it was that certainly four or five years ago. I can't imagine it's much different. But I do feel, and I don't know if this is just because more youngsters are on social media, just, you know, naturally. Um, that that is changing and maybe that sort of people following folk like Kami or, you know, whoever, Tom and those big folks and then sort of whittling down to like yourselves and that sort of thing. They're seeing like, oh shit, that looks fun. I could do that. But uh, Hopefully that change is happening. Um, and, and you said, I don't know what it's like in the mainland. It's the exact same. <laughs> you know, you can get, there's endless amounts of jobs, but, you know, having a farming enterprise is very, very difficult to to yeah. come by um yeah. that's a uh, a national issue really um but it's it's where we are and uh, it's good to sort of have the conversations like we've had today so i hope you've enjoyed coming on yourself
1: I um, we <laughs>
0: yeah well maybe next time maybe we'll do a, a right no i've been saying it wrong every time cool farm isla got it uh 2.0 <laughs> and actually have sophie on next time maybe maybe we can, <laughs> we can arrange that uh Maybe, maybe she has a couple of qual Islas before, uh, she might uh, be happy to join. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
1: work on it, we'll work on it.
0: <laughs> Exactly, exactly, that's it. So yeah, no, it's been great to have you on. Um, For those of you listening, I hope you've enjoyed another episode. It's kind of mad, we've had 51 now, that's kind of crazy to think that I have had one to, I've done this throughout five different houses, it's uh, a weird way to put it, I've never thought of it that way, I don't know where that came from. Um. <laughs> <laughs> strange mind met uh, 51 different folk uh, and yet what I will say is I don't have a clue who number 52 is because I haven't arranged it yet don't know what's coming uh, which is exciting for me as well It's great fun uh, and if you have any folk that you would like to see on the podcast um, get in touch and if I don't like them I won't have them on and if I do like them I'll have them on uh, that's sort <laughs> of how it goes I'm not going <laughs> to that sounded really cutthroat didn't it um, so yeah We'll see you next week for number 52. Hope you enjoyed number 51. And thanks again, Andrew.
1: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: Well, that's it. Another R2Cast finished. Another agricultural mind opened up. And I would just like to say that getting these guests on board, it does take time and it always has done. But I've now went weekly. And with that comes even more time required. And I would just like to finally thank once more, The Scottish Farmer for sponsoring the show and making that much more possible. Please be sure to get in touch if you've any ideas of people you'd like to see on the podcast or maybe ideas you have for me presenting better because I definitely do require that. See you in the next one.